Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're exploring the book of 2 Peter and learning what it means to grow in grace. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. And good morning, my friends. Welcome back to this episode of Everyday Truth. Uh, sorry that my voice is a little bit uh, different today. I'm actually uh, in the middle of the flu uh, here at my house. So I've been taking a lot of uh, vitamins and honey and tea and lemon and cough syrup and just whatever, whatever else I can think of. So uh, sorry that you have to endure this, but I didn't want to miss uh, my uh, my podcast. This is my uh, Faith Baptist mug. It doesn't say Baptist on it, but I always think about our church when I drink from this mug. And this mug has helped me out today. It's big, holds a lot of tea and honey and lemon, so that's been a blessing. The last couple of episodes you've seen were recorded last week. So although I looked healthy, <laughs> the last couple of days have, have, been, uh, have been a challenge. But thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it. Uh, we are in Second Peter chapter number two, and we've been talking about these false teachers, uh, these uh, these teachers that Peter has been warning us about since the beginning of chapter two. Just as there were false prophets also among the people, remember, there shall be false teachers among you. And Peter has been giving us a description of them and how we need to be so careful of to guard ourselves and guard our churches and our homes, our children uh, from false teaching. Some of the descriptions include verse number 17. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. Wow, what, what language? Wells without water, clouds really without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, but have no rain. So think about that. And back in Bible days, a well represented life. Uh, to travel in Israel back in Bible days, uh, or really anywhere, water was the life source. So if you were away from a river or away from fresh, a fresh water source, uh, the only thing you could rely upon was a well. Made, made no difference how nice the scenery was. If there's no water, you can't live there. So a water was a great symbol of, wow, there's life here. And so to see a well and then to get there, to lower the bucket and not to have water was the worst kind of, uh, the worst kind of uh, deceit. Or to see a cloud. Uh, in an agricultural society, to see a cloud and all of the promise that a cloud would a cloud would bring, water for one's crops and the life cycle of the precipitation and condensation and all of what's needed uh, to see a cloud, but that it would never rain. What false hope is that? And the Bible says these false teachers are like that. They look good. They sound good but they don't deliver the goods when it comes to Bible truth. And the Bible says, and they shall pay severely for that, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. Remember, we talked about this a bit when we said that Paul, when he was defending the true gospel in Galatians chapter one, said that if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Those are strong words, but you can't, 
You can't be strong enough on the truth. Why? Because truth brings life like water and error brings death. And what a great illustration that is, verse number 17. Then verse number 18, as Peter goes on to describe further these false teachers, it says, for when they speak great swelling words of vanity, boy, they're known for their their fancy sounding sermons. They're known for their big talk, great swelling words. Then the Bible says of vanity. The word vanity means emptiness. Boy, they look big, they sound good, but they don't deliver anything that has real value. Look at verse number 18 again. They allure through the lusts of the flesh. So, so what, is their, what is their talking point? Now, how do they get a crowd? Why, why are they so popular? Because they tell people what they want to hear. They allure through the lusts of the flesh. They make religion. They make quote unquote truth, their truth, obviously not Bible truth. They make it, hey, this is what's best for you and you can do what you want to do and uh, you can be healthy, wealthy and wise and you can make money and you can, it's, it's this whole health, wealth and prosperity gospel. Do what you want to do, go where you want to go, live how you want to live and God's going to endorse it and there's nothing new under the sun. And what the Bible teaches is that they allure, that's their drawing card. They allure through the lust of their flesh, through much wantonness. See what the verse goes on to say? Through much wantonness, those, the Bible says, that were clean escape from those who live in error. Boy, they prey upon people that are in good Bible-believing churches. They prey upon people that have been exposed to the truth. They prey upon people that have um, a, a beginning knowledge of God, but have not, but but have not, um, but but are not yet saved. And these false teachers love to prey upon them. Look at verse number nineteen. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same he is brought into bondage. While they promise them liberty, remember, they allure through the lust of the flesh. They say, hey, you follow my teaching. You can do what you want. You can have what you want. You can satisfy your lusts, your desires. But in so doing, it's really a false and empty promise because the Bible says these teachers don't have any real victory over sin. These teachers don't have the, the, the appeal that they're making, the lust of the flesh, is never going to satisfy them. They themselves, the Bible says, the teachers themselves, they are servants of corruption. Uh, they are eaten up by the flesh. They are dominated by what they can get, what they can be, what pleasure they, that they can have. That's why when you see these great scandals within Bible Christianity, you say, oh my goodness, I can't believe that teacher, that preacher, that yeah, they, but they were simply using religion and using quote unquote teaching to get a crowd. But all the while they themselves were in bondage to that which they said would be freeing. Hey, you don't have to follow those rules. You don't have to live a life of morality. You can do whatever you want to do. We're under grace. And they use grace in a radical sense. They use grace as a, 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 as a means of lasciviousness. Um, they use the grace of God as a means of, <coughs> excuse me, as a means of attracting people 
uh, they, they totally uh, redefine what grace is. I love the passage there in Titus chapter two, where it says, the grace of God that brings salvation uh, has appeared to all men, teaching us. Here's what grace ought to teach us, that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And certainly I would be against legalism in the sense that um, just a list of do's and don'ts somehow helps us curry favor with God. That, that's not true. But I'm also not an advocate of a license to say, well, you know, now that you're saved, God's grace just says, do whatever you want to do. And that's fine because you're under grace. No, there, there, are, two, there are two ditches on either side of the road. You know, God's grace by which we're saved is also going to be the operative uh, influence in our life by which we live for Christ by which we follow him. Grace is God's unmerited favor that gives me both a desire and an ability to do God's will. And Peter is vociferously decrying the false teacher's false methodology of just promising grace, do what you wanna do, come as you are, stay as you are. That is not Bible Christianity. <laughs> Excuse me, look at verse number 20, for if, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, if people who have been exposed to who Jesus is, have been exposed to the gospel message, verse number 20, if after that they are again entangled therein and overcome, overcome by that entanglement, the Bible says the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. So, well, when people are introduced to the truth, when people are introduced to the truth about Jesus, but don't respond to it, they don't, <laughs> they aren't saved. And then their lives end up be, becoming ruined because uh, they're feeding their own flesh and doing their own thing. The Bible says the latter end is worse than the beginning. In other words, it would have been better for them never to have known the gospel. It would have been better for them never to have known the person of Christ. Uh, than to know it and then have rejected it. It would, be, it would have been better for them to have been in complete ignorance. Why? Because unto whomsoever much is given, that's the parable that refers to what that servant knew, unto whomsoever much is given shall be much required. And so there is accountability for what we know. <laughs> verse number, excuse me, verse number 21, and this is what I just said, for it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. You know, truth brings with it accountability. And when we know the gospel, then we are bound to obey it. When we know the truth, then we're bound to follow it. But to know it and to reject it, to understand it and then push it away is to bring the worst kind of judgment upon ourselves. And that's what Peter is saying here. And the illustration he uses just really helps to bring all this together. Look at verse number 22. But it, it has happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is returned to his own vomit again and the sow or the pig that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. So how does Peter describe these false teachers? 
He said, well, they're like a dog that returns to its vomit. Uh, we, we had dogs growing up in our household and uh, it was always gross when you saw a dog returning to his vomit. Have you ever seen that? Oh, it just kind of goes against everything you'd, you'd ever think is uh, good and right. A dog, why does a dog do that? Because that's his nature. His nature is to eat something and what he eats is not good for him, it upsets him. And then yet, as soon as it's expelled from his body, he goes right back to what it was again. It's like a dog returning to his vomit. Or like a pig who is washed and clean and you put a bow on its head, but if you let that pig go back outside, it's gonna go right back to the hog pen. It's gonna go right back to that pigsty. Why? Because it's in their nature. That's one of the reasons why I know that this, these verses in 2 Peter chapter 2 are not talking about Christians who have lost their salvation. No, that, that's impossible. But it's talking about false teachers and those that have subscribed to their teaching uh, as revealing the true nature of who they are. Uh, Christians are never referred to in the Bible as dogs. Christians are never referred to in the Bible as pigs. But a dog and a pig, those that do not have Bible understanding, uh, their nature, what they go back to is ultimately going to reveal who they are. And so the, the revelation of what a person truly is many times is indicated by their behavior to go back to that besetic sin, go back to that besetic sin. You say, well, uh, Kurt, does that mean that if I go back to my besetting sins, I'm not saved? I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is it ought to give you reason to pause. You know, what is going on in my life? Have I been saved? Uh, does the Holy Spirit of God really reside within? Am I able to, to just follow the lust of my flesh and never have any compunctions about that? These are important questions. I think these are questions that Paul asked the Corinthian ch church. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. And uh, as strong as these verses are, they're merciful because they cause us to have introspection, to look at what the Bible does say. So I'm sorry today for the voice. I'm sorry if my thoughts were a little bit disjointed. They probably were. Uh, but there we are at the end of chapter number two. Hopefully, our next episode will be a little bit more with it. And we'll start chapter number three. Hope you have a great day today in the Lord. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.